This is the Irish Art Podcast with Andrew Attracta and Sarah Eva Manson and we are here to open up a conversation around what we do inside our studios and outside the studio. We talk about the business and process of being an artist. We will have lots of insightful discussions with all forms of artistic and creative people as well as business experts to explore what it takes to be an Irish artist today. If you're enjoying these conversations, please leave us a rating and review and share an episode or two with your friends. It's the best way to help other creatives find us. Thank you so much for listening. I am very honoured and excited to be able to introduce our guest today, who is a very dear friend, Frances Tanzi. Frances Tanzi is a professional artist, an international artist, painter, and specialises in geometric, hard-edge, colour-filled paintings with op-art elements. He studied at the NCAD. His influences would be the development of colour, in an abstract sense, the Bauhaus, Kandinsky, colour theory master Johannes Itten. He is fascinated by how colour is perceived as an international language. I invite you to have a look at his work on francistanzi.com and we will of course have a link to his site on our show notes over on bodyrogan.com. But for now, please enjoy this lovely conversation. Well, welcome again to the podcast. And today, uh, Attractor and I have been joined by Francis Tansy. So, hello, Fran. How are you? Hello, Andrew. Hello, Hi. Attractor. How are Hi, you doing? Hi, Fran. Good to Lovely see you. Lovely to be here sitting in your wonderful garden and in summer's morning. Um, it's 40 years since I first uh, sat here with, with you both, and it's great to be back. Now, for the listeners that don't know you, Fran, please tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I've been working for 40 years as a professional artist, um, mostly in Ireland, but I've travelled internationally with my art to um, to France, to England, to America, in particular to California. I spent 10 years going back and forth um, between my base in Kilkenny and my base in California. I've been working all that time as a professional artist. Uh, painting is my uh, medium. Um, I would be known to a lot of people as a geometric hard edge color field painter um, with op art elements um, in my work also. Um, it has been my full-time profession, as I say, for the last 40 years and have um, been solely working as a professional artist. So, Francis, um, that's fantastic. Tell us about your career so far, you know, your processes and influences and galleries, maybe? Well, I studied in NCAD and I um, became uh, familiar with uh, various international artists' work. And mostly my my line of inquiry was to uh, follow the development of colour in an abstract sense. And my starting point really, I suppose, was the Bauhaus. 
which was a um, school that was in Germany between the First and Second World War. And a lot of famous names came from that um, collaboration between very, uh, very diverse and different artists. And some names that people would maybe uh, recognize would be Kandinsky. And uh, in my case, I was very interested in a, another artist who was a color theory master. His name was uh, Johannes Itten. And based on a lot of his theories, I built a process um, in my art that would have an inquiry into color that would be so precise that it was uh, very scientific in many ways. I had an engineering background. I was fascinated with how color is perceived. And in my, in my inquiry, I was always looking for an international uh, language. And to me, color was that international language. It didn't matter what your nationality was. Everybody responds to colour. I had to find a way to actually project my ideas through very precise colour um, and scientific inquiries. Uh, looking at the process, I decided that a lot of the new um, acrylics were, were, not, um, were not standing up uh, to the test of time. And I was quite appalled at times when I saw the work of some artists like Piet Mondrian and the work was maybe 40 50 years old but was falling apart uh, on, on you know off the canvas basically I can cracking, remember that because you know. in the um, museum in Dublin I went with a tractor one early one Monday morning and they would go around the modern uh, 20th century salons and sweep the paint up that had fallen off the paintings over the weekend, yeah. so it, it, yeah. it was a serious problem. Like paint, paint is a science in itself, but a lot of people will just take and accept whatever is in a tube. But to understand what the actual uh, recipe, if you like, uh, for the paint, gave me a little bit of an edge because I decided I could eliminate some of the problems that were happening and hopefully give my work much longer longevity. Um, I worked with high performance called polymers and uh, set out to buy light fast pigment so that it wouldn't um, fade or leach the color wouldn't leach out of it which you can see in many many paintings these days when you know in an auction house that may be 50 60 years old and the color has faded maybe they've been hung in the wrong place but the, the pigment is not light fast yes. so I set out to try and solve that problem and um, the copolymers I use are very, very uh, high performance and flexible. So that at times when I needed to roll my, unstretch my paintings and roll them for transport to different exhibitions, that was possible to do safely without damaging the image. So um, I'm just going to pop in here with, with take, take uh, a tractor's question. But, uh, you know, we can say, to start with, I suppose, you would be working with uh, a gallery. You would be, you know, having regular exhibitions. Well, uh, actually, I was it was fortuitous for me that the very next day that I finished college, uh, I, uh, I was asked to submit a painting to a gallery, the Solomon Gallery. And um, within, within a few hours of delivering the painting, uh, it was sold. And it was sold to a very important collector, uh, Baron Brian de Brefney at the time. And um, he, he uh, 
basically opened a lot of doors for me in many ways and I had subsequent shows then that sold very well uh, so I was uh, up and running very quickly after college and in fact uh, I haven't really stopped since right could I ask you once do you what do you work, work in canvas or on board or just just to get it back to get away from process but I, just I, I prefer to work on canvas uh, I I stretch it very tightly and I prime it um, very well yeah. so that I have a nice ground to work on. Brilliant. Just interesting there. So have you any advice to other artists? <laughs> well, art is a bit of a vocation for most people. Like There are no rules um, and it's as diverse and as different as each individual person is. So to give advice to anybody really, the most important advice I, I could give is to enjoy what you do and do it for your enjoyment and it should challenge you and it should bring you to a new level each time if you can push your own boundaries uh, the rewards are great you know it's uh, it's a difficult uh, arts is the most probably the most difficult profession to work in and usually means working in isolation um, which is tough mm. um, but as I say if you enjoy it uh, you're gonna you're gonna put the work into it, and you will get the rewards from it. And Fran, uh, where can we find your work? Well, my work has been collected all over the world, and uh, it is in many many private collections in this country, and public um, state collections also. I have worked a lot with architects, and I've been commissioned to do many paintings for um, mostly corporate uh, environments. In particular, the pharmaceutical companies all have my work, and uh, most of the banks, including the central bank, have my work. Uh, so, it, it like in some cases, it hasn't been that publicly displayed, but I do hope at some stage to assemble a retrospective of my work, borrowing back some of these uh, paintings so that they can be seen for the first time uh, together. It had never been seen together Fabulous. before. So, I mean. Uh, Sarah isn't with us this morning, but she's very, very keen on people having an online presence. So do you have an online presence or a website? Yes, I have a website. It's francistanzi.com. Very easy to remember, very easy to find. And there's a there's an email address there. It's um, ballyredinartstudio at gmail.com if anybody wants to contact. And uh, there are there are several images to, to look at. And in fact, there's a short clip of a movie from your son, Robert, Robert, I remember. Who, uh, when oh, he was he just did. out of college, did a nice little documentary. I mean, there's some shots of that in there for people to look at. And that would explain the process I use using rollers to blend uh, many, many layers of um, thin glaze um, over each other so that the depth of field and the depth of colour is there. Sometimes upwards of eight layers will, will be applied. I've, t I've taken your advice on this in my own way of painting because I keep everything scrupulously clean so one brush one color no getting taints from other colors no you've got to keep your colors clean yeah. and if you want a yellow to be a yellow any little spot in it will make it look dirty so you've got to really uh, exercise a bit of hygiene when you're working and as you say you, you never mix brushes uh, with different colors one dedicated brush to one dedicated color that way you're always going back to you know your your original mix you know you're, you're not uh, if, you, if you if you want to revisit uh, a color by layer after layer after layer you must know that it's the same color you're putting on you know 
No muddy colours. No That's muddy right. colours. Now, before so, we want, before we wind up, Attract is just going to ask you. So, what are you working on now? Um, well, at the moment, I'm I'm producing a new body of work, and uh, in between that, I've been asked to take part in in a project called the Kilkenny Catwalk, where these large scale cats have been delivered to uh, some of the local artists, where we are been asked to paint them and they'd be sighted around the city of Kilkenny Fantastic. in different locations in an attempt to um, you know put a bit of a festival culture back into the city over the summer as, as Kilkenny is a big tourist city so I'm excited to get working on that I believe I'll be starting to work on that sometime late June early July. Well as it happens Sarah is working on the social side oh really that. okay didn't so know that'd that be interesting. yeah <laughs> what fun what Excellent. fun so francis it's been really super having you here and reinvigorating us and giving us lots of inspiration and uh we've just got to wish you a lot of luck uh in your in your upcoming work it's been my pleasure guys and uh really i have enjoyed my visit here and uh look forward to to, you know, so nice to see him again, so, isn't it? So nice yeah. see him again. Well, I'm saying goodbye. Thank All you very right. much Thank for you. listening. Thank you. Andrew, how did you meet Francis Tanzi? Oh, that's a really good story. Um, a friend of his, the painter Ben Stack, they were students, uh, walked into the door. Uh, here at Bally Rogan, and they said, oh, we've come to see you. And I said, how did you get here? And they said, a tractor. And I had this image of them coming down from Dublin on a tractor, because it's a sort of crazy thing that uh, artists would do. And I said, who drove the tractor? Uh, they said, well, he said, a tractor drove the car. And then she walked into the kitchen. So a tractor, you knew them first? Yes. How did you meet Francis? Excuse me. My friend, uh, Carol, went to NCAD and she was very good friends with Ben Stack and Francis Camby, who were very good friends. And we decided, when I came back from the States, I had got myself a car and I decided to practice driving on the right side of the road. I don't. Wrong side of the road. Oh. In Ireland, because I hadn't done it. And so we, Carol, myself, um, Francis, and Ben drove to the west, drove all the way around, and ended up down in Valley Wilkin. So it was Well, those crazy artists lived, they, Ben said. And that was it. But, 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 like, so, hang on a second. So Francis was an NCD. And Ben and was in NCAD. At the same time. And your friend Carol was in NCAD. Yes. Okay, so then you went to a party with Carol and met the two wild... No, I, I would meet her in NCAD and I got to know the guy. They'd all go to the they clock, because everyone would go to the clock in those days. They were all a group school. friends. As did I. As did you. <laughs> <laughs> what was the clock there for? Only a few days later. But I had, I had been nursing, so... She had money. Nursing as in she had been... In Abu Dhabi. No, in Arkansas. Oh, excuse me. And New York and, and yeah. Florida. As in America. A, as America. a practitioner. Yes. Nurse. Yes. And came back to Ireland, had a bit of a job, and had one week on and one week off. So on the one week off, you had one she week would... off? Twelve, we did seven 12-hour nights and seven 12-hour nights off. On and off. 
in Wales. I need to have some comments and it was a full-time job at the time. So then you went down to Wicklow and so how did you guys know Andrew? Like how like okay, so we are the four young ones. So that's me then. So no, 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 how did they know to go down to you? Ah, because Ben was standing in rat new in the rain and I came past in the car mm. and I picked him up in rat new. He was a hitchhiker. He's a hitchhiker. Just a random, a random hitchhiker. Yeah. And he said, uh, I said, well, I only go as far as Jack White's because that's where I turn off. And um, sure, it was raining terrible. And, and I said, well, look, you're only going to Arklow. That's only a couple of minutes more. So I just ran him home. His mum was in Arklow. And then, uh, so uh, Ben had big uh, sort of, um, Henry Fonda glasses and I had big Henry Fonda glasses and we both had sort of long hair although mine has gone and Ben has not lost his hair. And my hair is quite similar to what Andrew's used to be. Exactly and uh, and people would stop when I was hitching the car broke down and say oh Ben I see you there and go on so we just got to know each other because people thought I was Ben and so on and so forth and he was an artist and I was an artist and then he brought a tractor down and they Come down a few weekends, no, I hang out. No, I met you with Francis and the gang. On the first car. time, yeah. First time you came down. Yeah. Walked into the kitchen. And I am then, a tractor. Um, so that's fantastic. So then that that was many moons ago when you guys did so. So then Francis came down and stayed here after the, after he um, did his degree, and so did Ben, and they worked in studios. And that they uh, the area. Yeah. Well, right. Yes. And uh, when I came down then to stay, there was it was an old house with many big rooms. So each graduate would have their own bedroom and studio. And then we'd all collect and um, converse for tea in the evening. And for the bigger paintings, we dug uh, a, a long meter of what had been left in the shed which is now house number two, by hand, so we couldn't get a machine in, and then painted the walls white. And that was the first external uh, yeah. studio. And it was in, in there, and it has 14 foot walls, and they are 30 foot long and 50 foot long. And so perfect for big paintings, no windows. Put up your lights and work away. So what the graduates would do is if they were artists, they'd prepare for a show, or if they were doing research, they'd use the grounds for research. And um, that's basically how we lived like that for about a year and a half. Yeah. And then everybody and then went off and did, did their, their own things. Own and then we decided we would build the building we're in now. But uh, Ben and Fran were around still because the studios was there. And there are some photographs of us all digging the foundation by hand. Oh, I wonder if you could dig them out. I could dig yeah. them out. That yes. would be really nice to see how Ballyrogan was compared to how it is now. That would be really nice. I'd probably have that as a, <coughs> a, a task to do this evening and I have them emailed to you. Thank you. That would be all right. Yes, of course. And then I suppose my my <coughs> earliest memories of Francis, because I mean, he's always, he's just been a family friend to me. He's just been part of the family. I remember while I was in college, when I would come home randomly from weekends, you know, Francis, or as they say, Tansy baby would be home. 
as well. And we'd all have a lovely dinner party around the table in Ballyrogue and Candlelit. Mum's lovely cooking and just lovely conversation, glass of wine. And it was really nice. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I remember it. But then I also remember going to visit Francis in his home in Kilkenny. Ballyredden Studios. Yeah, but it's not really a home in the traditional term. It wouldn't be considered a two up, two down. It's a small two-story industrial unit that he's built a house in one wing of it where the offices were. And that leaves him uh, a space for a studio about the size of half a basketball court. And he's now also at another area where people can be self-sufficient. What do you mean self-sufficient? Airbnb with an outside flying deck outside so you can sit out and watch the sunset. But he, he's a craftsman, he's wonderful. I remember going down there with the days, and I'd never been there before, and it was literally going into um, an airport hangar. Yeah. Right? So an aircraft hangar. And then I was like, where do you live? Like, because it was literally just an open plan. Yeah, the big workshop. basketball place. It was massive. And then he was like, oh, I live up there. And it, if you look to the back wall the top left corner there was like almost like a like a stairwell up or like almost like a ladder I'm sure I'm just fabricating my memories now but it was like whimsical and it was like up a ladder and there was this like box at the top of the corner and he was like yeah that's that's where I live with a bedroom and a kitchen and a spare room and and a kitchen and a window looking out of the kitchen down into the studio so that you could keep an eye on and see what's going on. And it was like I was wild for even questioning it. <laughs> like that was so normal. Yes, isn't it? Of course. Yeah. You live in the studio. And even here, uh, the first um, manifestation of um, house number two was the big studio downstairs and the end wall. And on the opposite wall, there was okay. just a flying deck. And I believe there's a photograph. What's of- a flying deck? It's just a deck without a barrier. No walls. And you sleep on the deck up a stepladder, the stepladder. And I believe there is a photograph. Oh, yeah, that's what we would call a loft. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I believe there's a photograph of a party going on there with a tractor, Rosemary, Ben, Fran, somebody else playing a trombone or something, some musical instrument. And you can just see them with their legs hanging over the edge and they're up on the deck. Up on the deck at number I've two. I've heard many wild stories of parties in Ballyrogue and from all days. untrue, entirely untrue. There's <laughs> yeah. never a party here. Any wild stories of Francis to share on the podcast? Well, I think the fantastic thing is we had um, an experience in Dubai where we all went. Did you? Uh, was Francis a part of that? Francis organised the venue. Oh, fantastic! We went over Tell and us about that. And so I had uh, a friend who worked in Arab Emirate, um, Emirate Air, Air, and she organised that we could fly out and we had cargo for free. So we had to drop all the frames off our painting, roll them, and then we were given out in the desert in Dubai a hangar where we could restretch the painting. A lot of them were acrylic and acrylic is very flexible in heat, so it was fantastic, but it was extreme, extremely hot and that. And so we hung the exhibition and um, 
Francis, we stayed for a short time and then Francis stayed out there for three months and moved from one area in the middle of the city into the um, one of the towers. One of the towers. And so it was, a, it was an amazing experience. So it ended up that we had a lot of work. The one little the thing about the, the work, the, um, the, the big paintings, uh, Attractors, mine, and Francis's, had the way we had gone, which was a divergent from the NCAD way of making stretches. And it's um, two by one planed all over on its edge. And then with absolutely perfect corners, you drive in long, thin screws. And then should you need to transport the thing, you can take the screws out, take the canvas off. And each set of, each run of paintings is identical. So it doesn't really matter which painting goes size on which right. frame. They're size absolutely right. identical. And the weight of the stretches and the um, canvases was 445 kilos. So it was a short half ton was flown. In a long, thin box. Well, no, we had all the, we had all the, yeah, well, it was lots of boxes, like long, and long and thin. Long and thin, like almost like a tube, but yes, not a tube. Yes, the paintings were in tubes and the things were bundled into cases. We paid the tax on them and then uh, at the, the end of it, they unsold ones would have to have been paid thousands of pounds to fly back. So we abandoned the stretchers and came back with the rolled up canvases and, the, and it was one person's luggage. It was 20 kilos. Of painting. That's so romantic. It's not <laughs> painting whole story. It's so cool. Well, it, it's not, you know, it's not, you know, an aspersion on people, but quite often um, galleries will hang on to paintings by uh, artists and then sell them for a number of uh, years afterwards. And if you've left paintings in a foreign country, you can't really tell whether they're being sold or not being sold or what the prices are. And you rather have to take what you get. So the social was to bring them home yeah, and do it ourselves. I suppose that's kind of changed a little bit now. It's a bit more accessible. Regulated, yeah. Accessible and like, okay, getting the stuff there and getting it back is difficult. But once it's there, I mean, the communications and videoing and stuff like that has changed. So it's, yeah. And we keep an eye on things. Or, but I think that the, our representative who we went over first, we had to have a representative. He really That's was exciting. a writer, you know, it was exciting, but he was more interested in his own, uh, he, he was doing um, blogs or uh, catalogs of travel in the desert. Ooh. So he had loads of people he'd ask to the show, but it was also to promote his book. So That's cool, though. Know, it was good and it was interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you guys did it. Fantastic. It's a huge endeavour. Well, there was a lot of work that we'd never shown then, so we could show it in Europe and... Are any of those pieces Ireland. available here in the archive? There are one or two pieces available because um, I took uh, some of the Desert War series and some of the Diary series. And the Diary series had a tendency to be lots of disembodied letters and signs just higgledy-piggledy on a two-meter high canvas and the emirates 
said, we're not sure whether we can really show these. Ooh, I think there was an additional because... show in the, in, the, in the very salubrious tennis club yeah. for public. I mean, it was like a second show, a breakaway show. And then there was an then there was an additional show. We had the first show in the, in the we had a show in the gallery, and then they invited us back to put them in um, Prince um, Maktoum, Mohammed Al Maktoum's personal private building, <laughs> so in the cool. in the in the empty shop. So it was like a pop-up gallery next door to. Uh, Name one of the big manufacturers of these things, Bulgari jewelers. So there'll be oh, a yeah. Bulgari jewelers. And then the next shop, which wasn't tenanted, would have five big uh, Irish paintings oh, in so the window. Cool. And they're all and very they, colourful and, and, and they put on huge. one of these huge um, dues. And of course, it was a dry do. Dry do. Oh, but oh, just up God. the stairs and around the corner, there was a Irish department. There was an Irish department. <laughs> Yes, so, but nobody was allowed to leave the Irish department and appear downstairs. So it was, it was absolutely super. And uh, they said, well, we're not sure about the graffiti because graffiti is against the law. And so they had to have a sort of meeting about it. And the uh, Minister of Gallery Culture said it is yeah. actually culture and it is allowed. And so they were allowed. So like your chaperone would have helped you with those sorts of dotted line. Well, a lot of the stuff, uh, Andrew or Francis or myself, because we could, they could liaise with who they knew, and then Francis was Well, it was the sister of the, the sister of the ruler was, was the person who said she wanted it. She wanted it. She then became, so then it was done. She? Yeah, she oh. said that she wanted it. But Francis did that. Francis Barton, as, you know, who lived out in the barn, oh, had a lot of contacts that she introduced Francis or Andrew or myself to, so there could be ongoing conversation well look will we will we try and get something like that set up again and see if we can get something to go over I again piece from that yeah. oh okay business mm. from that show yeah. well we can put a picture of business in this podcast that would be nice yeah. what does business mean please I've lost my mind. <laughs> I, and I believe there's even photographs <laughs> of a tractor hanging out in, in, in underneath her big paintings oh in this huge, gosh. fabulous gallery yeah. in Dubai. Where are her photos? Because I think as well, like... Even you know, in the Sunday newspapers in the colour supplements, it was just like I in have, two different... Like on television, it was just like one of these mad Wild. things. So, okay, you know, on our website where it says the about section and there's like your section and then your section and there's like your bio or whatever. I think we need to develop that into like a picture of you, a little bit of your bio and then some shows. Yeah, some shows, but like sort of do it in like decades. I'm sorry that there are plural. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it would be really cool, like, you know, your work from the 80s, the 90s, the noughties, current, and then like some shows that you were in from those times. And I think like, so it's almost, we're sort of writing your artist book. Yes, I think you're right. Uh, Sarah just had to do some communications here with America while we carry on. And I'm sure that uh, Tractor would love to have some sort of permanent record of her work in a book so that it shows the development. Absolutely. Well, I am no better person than Sarah to keep us 
under the thumb. Well, that's yeah, to the mark. It's just the mark. professional and do the record, don't give it all to a marketing. Yeah, I think that sounds that's With sounds lots good. and lots of images that we have to scan and put into the record as well. I'd, I'd love to organise um, another meeting with Francis. Maybe after COVID, we could go down and visit him. That would be fun. So I think the interesting thing is you're going to be working with him on the new project they're doing. The yeah, I mean, yeah, but like I, I'm just facilitating the social media content. Like I, people send me content, photographs, and then I write the copy and pop it up onto four different channels. And it keeps, I'm sort of like the go between between the public, the artists, the organizers. Yeah, so everybody does their own work separately, and then all departments feed information to me, and then I curate a gorgeous, captivating social media thread that will make you want to come back for more and more every day. But will there be an opening <laughs> now? Will there be a finish, or is it an ongoing conversation? Now? Yeah, it's, it's an ongoing conversation for now, um, mm. just because of like the restrictions and things like that. So the first thing to happen is the sculptures are delivered to the artist workshops and then hopefully we'll see some behind the scenes process and content like that gets to know the artists and their practice and promote them and you know hopefully get them more followers on their socials which is why I wanted to talk to Francis about his socials and see if he wanted to have a presence on my too. Yeah, you didn't want to. Yeah, exactly. Mm, so, and the cats are two metres high, so there will be... Um, I think they're five feet tall. Yeah, they're okay. huge. Eight yeah. feet tall, Eight he was feet. saying. Um, the long and short of it, they'll be it's outside. So it's going to be one of those things. Friendly. Even if there's COVID around, you can walk from venue to venue to see them. Yeah. They'll be outside. And are there many artists? Yeah. Thank you again to Francis Tansy for joining us today on the Irish Art Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and we'll talk to you next time. Bye! That's it for this episode of the Irish Art Podcast. You can find show notes and links over on our website, fallyrogan.com. You are invited to sign up to our mailing list where you will find lots of behind-the-scenes goings-on here in Ballyrogan, exciting announcements, giveaways, and first dibs on new works. If you're listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts, we'd love to ask you to give us a rating and review, because it really helps and makes a big difference. Why did you move away from the microphone? <laughs> you moved away from us. Yeah, you. You need to be here. You'd be a really great. You'd be a great director. Music. There'd be no messing. Come <laughs> think of. No, it's a on the ground. Oh, which? It's a hole. They'd be quite big. Yeah, but it was very definitely. I was coming from it, and I had to do this. He stayed on the ground. Yes. Are we eating one of the sparrows? Whatever he was eating, he was. Wow. An ornithologist might go their entire life without seeing that. It's quite rare. Usually they're, they're quite shy, aren't they? Well, they're, they're, they're woodland birds and they're chasing sparrows and little tiny birds that live in the bushes. But 
There is a sparrowhawk around here somewhere. Yeah, but just beyond Doyle, just before, even when you're coming up oh, and right. right, before you get to Narrow Park at that gate. Oh, yes. That's where you were. That, I've seen them hunting among those trees there. Yeah. And there was one on That's the that, tree my, outside. My territory, human go away. That's what I got. Outside Michael's house there, there was one in the bush. Oh, okay. Because there's so many little sparrows in the bushes, it makes it a good place to hunt. Yeah. 